everyone is. We know not everybody's going to accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. We understand that. The Bible tells us that the mouth of hell opens wider and wider. There are people who will reject the Lordship of Jesus. But it's his desire that they won't. And so we always have to have a capacity to want to receive more and more people in to his body and to his church and to his kingdom. Amen. And so we want to be welcoming in our brothers and sisters. Amen. So we're excited about that. Well, it's good to be back. You know, I haven't been here for a little bit. I always stay in touch with Pastor Mark. You know, and then obviously we've got a few that um, have come up here to continue to help assist with the ministry, and that's always a blessing. You know, and then obviously we see growth. I'm seeing faces I don't even know, and I like that, so that's pretty awesome. I see faces that I do know, and it's good to see you again. Amen. I'm glad you came. Um, I, you know, we're just going to get started this morning. Uh, I'm going to try to be very purposeful, uh, to be conscientious that we have two more services, uh, because I have this um, uh, desire to want to just go. And um, in St. Augustine, if you've been down there, we are actually in a theater. Uh, we have six uh, theater screens uh, that we took over in a lease. And so uh, we took two of those theaters and combined them together. And so I have this thought process all the time that, you know, when I'm ministering, I said, now, listen, when y'all used to come here, y'all watched two hours movies and you sat in those seats, no problem. So they're conditioned for two hours. So we're good to go. You know, I said, but what I'm doing for you is I'm not serving concessions so that you don't have to worry about running out in service to miss the end because you got to take a potty break. But we know most of us in the movies, we will hold on to that because we don't want to miss the end either. Amen. Um, and I was joking around with the leadership team last night because there's this thought process in churches or, you know, among people that, you know, people don't have good retention anymore. You know, people can't sit and retain and they just can't sit for a long time. So a lot of times services have gone to about an hour format format. And I told uh, Pastor Mark and them, I said, you know, I'm going to get the pastors in our town in St. Augustine and we're going to go to the theaters on Friday night. And we're going to go in and sit down and start a movie with everybody else and I'm going to time it. And when an hour hits, we're going to stop the whole thing and say, wait a minute, you go to church and you can only last an hour, so you need to go home. You can't watch the rest of this movie. You, you can't handle more than an hour. Get up and go. No, we can handle what we desire to handle, what we purpose in our heart is priority. We can endure a lot of things. What would that look like going to a football game? Amen. Hours done. Get up. Go. You're out of here. The game just started. I don't care. You can't handle it on Sunday. You're not going to stand here on Saturday. Get out of here. But I paid good money for this ticket. Jesus Christ died for you on a cross, man. You want to talk about money? Let's talk about the price of his blood. Amen. So anyway, I like having fun with that stuff because a lot of times we just aren't thinking. But if we would think, then we find out, man, we've got a purpose and a destiny with God. I do want to give you an update. Um, uh, Pastor Mark, I know he mentioned to you all concerning uh, some opportunities we've had down in St. Augustine. You know, God's really just moving in our 11th year now uh, down there planning the church. Um, you know, God's been so faithful. We've just seen transition after transition after transition. Um, we've seen God move and, and increase. You know, and we're just thankful for that. You know, I, I, I'm not, you know, you compare us to another church, we're real slow. Uh, but to other churches, we may seem like we're fast, you know, but you don't get in comparison. You just do what you do and where you're at. And um, But we were uh, given the opportunity. I went to Hong Kong back in March and ministered at uh, a couple Bible schools, one in Hong Kong and one in China. And so while I was away, uh, some things happened. So when I returned, um, I got an email from the owners of the mall that we're in. Now, I lease again the theaters. Um, which is about 19,000 square feet of space. 
And then I just took another store because we needed it. So we've got about 22,000 square feet that we operate in, and we really need more space than that. Uh, really, we need small space. We have large space, but we need smaller spaces. And so, you know, we're looking at starting a school in the fall called Washington Warriors, and so I need a space to be able to start kindergarten through second grade, and, you know, God's bringing increase. But anyway, I get this uh, email from the mall and says, hey, can you give me a call as soon as possible? Well, come to find out, you know, an individual within our church, we've been talking about the mall for 10 years, about buying the mall. The mall in its totality is 178,000 square feet. So in the last five years since we got there in 2010, you know, it just seemed right with us that the Lord wanted us to take it. Uh, there's really no businesses there anyway, and so it just seemed right that it was what God needed us to do. It sits on 26 acres, and so it has, you know, the mall itself, but then it has this other store that used to be the Blockbuster. They've turned it into three spaces now uh, on less than an acre, and then it had five acres of land that was um, just well in it woods. It's a field would be a better way to say it. No parking lots on it. Anyway, um, uh, I ended up calling the individual and says, hey, you know, um, this friend of mine that's in the church said, you know, we need to uh, buy the mall, which we know that, you know. And he said, I think I'm going to put something in. I said, so I gave him a price, and it opened the door. We've talked about some things back in November with them personally when they conceded, we can't fill it. What do you think? I said, we want to buy it. Well, we've never sold them all. Well, I've heard that before. But then they made this statement that I had not heard before. Well, if we were going to sell one, it would be this one. Amen. Well, now they're talking to me about selling it, about us purchasing the whole thing. And that's powerful for us, you know, because we want to make an impact in our community. For me, I see us having an opportunity to be able to uh, keep the front section of the whole mall running in businesses because, you know, it's more about, it's not just about us preaching about Jesus because when we're going to see something today and in the in tonight and tomorrow, that it's not just about the message of Jesus to get you out of the planet. It's about the message of Jesus to empower you to influence the world now because if I die, I'm going to be present with the Lord. The Bible is really clear about that. It says, be absent from the body, you'll be present with the Lord. Well, that's going to kind of take care of itself, isn't it? You understand what I'm saying? Everybody's going to die. That's going to take care of itself, you know. You know, if we live long enough and Jesus doesn't return, everybody in this room is going to die. Come on, say, I'm going to die. Well, since that's the case, the question is, is what's the quality of your eternity? Is it separated from God, which will be the second death, or is it life with God, which is the best? Amen. But since we know that's going to happen, what's God doing with us now? We're going to talk a little bit about that. But a lot of times people are just waiting to leave when, you know what, it's going to happen. So let's do something now while we're here. And there's more in the Bible about God empowering us while we're on the earth. Because if Jesus came today, we heard the, blow, the trumpet blow, and we all shoot up out of here like Superman. You know understand what I'm saying? We all going to rejoice and go on with it. But if that doesn't take place, then there's more to life on earth than just making Jesus or accepting Jesus as Savior. There's a thing about making him Lord of our life. Hallelujah. And so I realize, man, God is empowering us as a church down in St. Augustine at this point to be able to create businesses that we can employ people within our community because Jesus is not just about giving life eternal. He's about bringing back dominion to people's lives. And so we want the city to say people that are associated with God are the best blessings in our community. Let's hear what they have to say. Amen.
So, you know, we're looking at purchasing this. There's the little store that used to be the Blockbuster. They, they want to keep that one particular uh, piece of property, but everything else we're looking at. So I just need you to be in prayer for us. Uh, Thursday, we'll talk a little bit more about framework, about how much they want for it. You know, we're getting into numbers a little bit larger than uh, what we've uh, uh, associated ourselves with in the ministry. But, hey, God owns the planet anyway. Amen? And so it's, the Bible says the silver and gold are his. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. And you know what? God actually don't even have to always operate in finance. It's amazing. Sometimes he'll just transfer stuff. Hallelujah. So with that being said, we're just listening to the voice of God. That's kind of an update of where we're at and the faith that we're in, uh, where we're at. And uh, we're excited about advancing and moving forward. Obviously, being here with you this morning and seeing everybody in this place, I'm with Pastor Mark. Let's go ahead and get another unit, man. Let's just keep pressing on. Let's take this building over. Or let's go find another bigger building and let's start all over again. You know, when you get this place looking like this, it's, it's easy to say, well, this looks good. Let's continue to just stay, grow. But sometimes parking becomes a problem. Sometimes the fact they can't see it becomes a problem. We were three years at a, um, a facility that we had plenty of space to grow. I was in Gamble Rogers Middle School, and the auditorium was 300. I mean, we were in that kind of space. I've always been in large spaces, 9,000 square feet from the beginning with 17 people kind of overwhelming you know you sit in the auditorium 300 seats and there's 16 people out there but in service there was only about 12 because the other five were kids amen so it was me and the disciples is basically what it was and we're in this sea of chairs so i actually changed a few things on wednesday and i was like we ain't coming up in here this is intimidating because we look like something wrong with us let's get out in this multi-purpose room and let's do that and then we'll come back in on sunday um but you know what god was faithful we grew but the thing was the lord spoke to us not because we didn't have enough space to grow but he said it's time to move and when he said that we ended up moving to a storefront two uh, two storefronts i had a, and then another section in the back it's kind of like a warehouse and um you know we we grew there uh and we could have grown there could have went to multiple services there actually but parking was an issue. And then something on the inside, the Lord said, it's time to move. And that's when we got into the theater. And we got over there, the Lord says, take, occupy, take possession. And so we started to occupy and take possession when it wasn't even for sale. You know, it's kind of hard to get people motivated that you're buying a mall when it's not even for sale. You understand what I'm saying? It's kind of hard to say, hey, let's do this building project. You understand? We're going to buy this mall. Well, is it for sale? No. But by faith it is. Now that's a different story. I'm telling people, it's for sale. They are talking with us. So let's get motivated. Let's get this thing uh, taken care of. Amen? And so, you know, you can't be in fear. You just got to step out in faith and go. And I believe that it's all going to, there's going to be a report we'll send back up and say, we have purchased the mall. And then I'm going to believe that God's going to pay it off very quickly because we know that God's not wanting us to be in debt, but only to love people. Amen? So we're excited about that. Again, it's just really a joy to be here uh, with you this morning. Uh, I want to talk to you a little bit about some kingdom lifestyle uh, for the next uh, three services. Uh, um, when I pulled up my message and I flipped through it and was showing Jimmy James back there, he about passed out. I said, that's all, that's all weekend. That's not just for today. Now, if I was back in St. Augustine, it might be one service. It might be. Uh, but I don't know that your chairs are conditioned for two and a half hours. So uh, we'll test it today. Amen. We'll an hour and 10 minutes. Okay. Well, let's see what we can do. Maybe I can push that to an hour and 15. Amen. So in Ephesians chapter 2, starting in verse 18, 
I want us to look at a few things here uh, that I find very significant. It says this in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 18. It says, For through him we both have our access in one spirit to the Father. Verse 19. So that you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we honor you. We thank you. You're the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and we magnify your name. Father, today we desire to understand your heart concerning the lifestyle that we live as a kingdom citizen now. Father, we desire to fulfill your will and purpose on the earth now. Father, we desire to be used of you because not only are you our Savior, you brought provision so that we could have life and life more abundantly now, but you also are our Lord, which means we submit our lives and our will to you. And so, Father, we thank you that you are a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. We desire to lay our will down and take up your will for our lives so that we can accomplish something great, that when we stand before you one day, you'll be well pleased with us because we accomplished the purpose for which we were born again in the first place. And we praise you and thank you for it in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. If you turn over to Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20, uh, it's a, a similar uh, um, uh, take on uh, this word citizen as well. The New American Standard reads uh, Philippians 3.20 this way. It says, For our citizenship is in heaven, okay, our citizenship is in heaven, from which uh, also we eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, if you're out of the King James Version, it says our conversation. But if you look that word up in the Greek, it literally means commonwealth state or citizenship of a state. So now these words here that we're talking about, okay, and the Bible says, let everything be confirmed by two or three witnesses. We've given you two concerning citizenship. Uh, we'll expand that tremendously in this concept because we are citizens of a kingdom that the Bible is about. And it's very significant that we have ears to hear because citizenship is not religious words. It's not a religious word. Uh, it's exactly the same. Let's say it this way. I'm a citizen of the United States. And when if I say that to you, you don't think that I'm in a religion at all. Now, most of you are going to would ask the question then. If you're a citizen of the United States, how are you a citizen? Well, there's two ways you acquire citizenship in the United States. One, you can be born here. I was. I was born in Gainesville, Florida in, on March 11th, 1970. I am 45 years young. Hallelujah. Uh, I confess that I get better with age, so I have no problem talking about my age. Man, I love it. I'm excited where I'm at. I would never want to go back because I've learned too much now. Amen. And so I just want to keep moving forward. Amen. Uh, but you understand, I was, I'm American U.S. citizen based upon the fact I was born in Gainesville, Florida, which is a state located within the United States of America. Amen. There's a second way that you can acquire citizenship here uh, in the United States is that you can apply for it and it will cost money to do that. So in essence, you could say it this way. You can buy your citizenship. But it's not just paying for citizenship. It's also passing a test of citizenship. Uh, you'd be quite shocked if you went onto the uh, U.S. government website and went ahead and looked at pathway to citizenship. You would be shocked the video and the requirement that is necessary for those that are outside our nation, that are not born of our country, what is 
required of them. There's a requirement. Do you understand? A Canadian citizen can't come as they are and be a U.S. citizen. A Russian citizen can't come as they are and be a U.S. citizen. They actually have to allow a change to take place. Come on now. It, I, I found it really interesting. They had a whole section in there concerning drinking alcohol. Yeah. You ought to look it up. You'd be surprised. Because I'm thinking, there's a lot of people born here that's having this issue. Yeah. It says that literally on the government website in Pathway to Citizenship, what it tells them, it says, now listen, you do not want to be you know, in a position where you're drinking alcohol to such a level that you are drunk because if you are caught drunk or, or driving or doing things in society, that would be you will be deported and you'll lose your pathway to citizenship. Yeah, you ought to check it out. Then on top of that, you'll find that there's a test they have. They have to actually know our history. I would venture to say that there are immigrants that came into our nation, even now, that know more about our history than we do that were born here. Which tells me this, U.S. citizens take for granted their history and their nation because they've been born into it. Now, if that's the case, what about us who've been born into the kingdom of God? In fact, Jesus said this to Nicodemus in John chapter 3, which was about 2 to 3 a.m. in the morning. This was not in a public setting. This was a very private setting where he found Jesus. Jesus was obviously out praying because we know that he did pray. And so Nicodemus comes across him and begins to talk to him. And he says to him, now, he said, now, 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 teacher, we know that you've got to come from God. He's a rabbi. This guy's a religious leader, Nicodemus is. He says, it's obvious you've got to come from God because of the miracles. And he stops him dead in his tracks. He said, unless a man's born again, he shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, that perplexed him because he thought, now, how am I a grown man get back in my mom's womb? He says, you're missing it. Why? You're, again, looking at things physically, and you're missing that it has something to do with the heart. He says, again, I say, unless a man's born again, he will not see the kingdom of God. Well, that's important because, again, that tells us this, number one, that we can't smuggle anyone in. We can't smuggle people to heaven. Hey, it'll be all right. When I get there, I'll get you in. No, it ain't going to happen. You can't smuggle. But we also know this, according to Ephesians, that it's not by any works lest any man should boast. It's a free gift of God. It's by grace through faith we are born again. Which tells us this. We can't even buy our way in. We can't buy our way in through our own actions separate of a confession of faith and a belief with our heart. Not just with our mouth, but with our heart. Because Jesus dealt with mouth problems all the time. He says, you know, they, they acknowledge me with their lips, but their heart is, what is it? What is it? It's far from me. So you understand, when the Lord's looking at things, he first is examining the heart, and then he expects what the heart's saying, the mouth will speak. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So again, it's believed that Jesus Christ died on the cross and that on the third day he was raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. And then we make a confession with our mouth that Jesus Christ is 
Lord's a very interesting word, considering that it's not a religious word at all. The word Lord literally means supreme in authority. Hallelujah. So let's define a couple of terms here. Because I have found this as a pastor in the few short years that I've ministered. You understand, I don't know at what point that I feel like that I've ministered long enough that I can, you know, say that I can say a few things. I think, you know, we're always growing and learning. And I think I'll be a better pastor in five years. So I think whenever I hit 30 years, should the Lord tarry, I'm still going to have many more things I need to learn. But I have learned a little bit in this context that people cycle. And that there's a growth process in the things of God. And I have found that within a three to about five year window, most people, if they are born again for the first time, they could actually grow up spiritually. But in that time frame, they're going to go through trials. And it's how they handle those trials and tests and how they apply the word of those will determine whether it accelerates their growth in God or whether it de-accelerates it. I've seen it time and time again. That most people have, when they fail, it's, fall, it's failing over the same thing. I, I've been tempted on more than one occasion to have a, a guy down in, in, uh, at Anchor Bay Church in St. Augustine, Matthew Hunt. He does construction for us, and he's our head usher, to do this big, huge uh, hamster wheel. Because I've seen people, their life is on a hamster wheel. They're doing a lot of effort and running in church, but they're getting nowhere. It's the same cycle in life. They need to get off the hamster wheel, and let's start moving forward. Amen? And the only way you're going to move forward is if you'll apply the word of God. But I found this, that there's a lot of misdefined words. Meaning, in our culture, in our culture, there are words that mean something today that may not necessarily mean what it is in the Bible. Come on. And even in our culture today, and when I'm talking culture, I'm talking the United States, there are words that we used to say in days gone by that if you say those same words, they have a different definition to them. You want me to give you one? I'll give you one. Let me sing it to you. For those, I'm going to do a throwback song. You ready for this throwback song? Flintstones, meet the Flintstones. They're a modern Stone Age family from the town of Bedrock. They're a place right out of history. Yeah, yeah, da, 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 right? Well, then when you get to the end, it says, we'll have a gay old time. Now, gay means happy back then. That's, if you look it up, that's what it means. Recently, some students at an elementary school were asked to sing a song, and in the song it had the word gay, which meant happy. But when they sang it, the kids started laughing. Now, that wasn't laughing because they were happy and gay, Right? So if I went over to Pastor Mark and say, hey, Pastor Mark, me and him are in a place in town, okay? I say, hey, Pastor Mark, man, you see where I'm going here? You feeling gay today, man? Come on now. Come on, if you didn't know me and I said that, hey, man, you feeling gay today? They'd be thinking, what's that? What's going on? Right? What's going on? Oh, they, oh! See, look, see them guys right there. See them guys right there. Uh huh. Now you understand this is a buzzword in our culture right now. But you understand the Bible is very clear about relationships. I take my standard based upon the Word of God. That's all. You know, you say, "Oh, well, you're against." I'm not against anyone because sin is sin. You know, there's more than just homosexuality. There's a thing called fornication. 
Oh, let's don't talk about fornication. Fornication is actually between a man and a woman. Problem is they're not married yet. That's still sin, guys. There's another one called adultery. That means a guy and a lady are, you know, they're having a little hookup, but it's outside the marriage relationship. And that, and we know male and female were supposed to come together, but the problem is not in that context. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, maybe it is that the church put up with too much fornication. Maybe. Now, we understand the last days, sin's going to continue to grow. I understand that, but we can't compromise our standard. My point is, words are being redefined. So when I say love, most people define it as, oh, it's a feeling. It's how I feel about you because I love you today, but tomorrow I may not love you because it's gone. I've lost that love and feeling. But in the Word of God, love is not a feeling. It's actually an action because there's a higher love than phileo love. It is agape love, which is the God kind of love. Hallelujah. And we've got to be able to find things based upon, plus the Word of God, plus we need to understand the context by which things are set in. So the word citizenship literally means this, the place or location in which one has the right to be a citizen. It also means this. It means the qualities that a person is expected, say expected, is expected to have as a responsible member of a community. Amen. You understand, in our society right now, as a U.S. citizen, uh, it would be irresponsible for me to pull a gun out right now and at random begin to shoot you. Right, thank you. You understand, but citizens are doing this. U.S. citizens are doing this. You understand what I'm saying? We consider that irresponsible, and they're not good for society. Amen. You know, people are robbing and stealing. We have, again, as a citizenship, we have a place or a location that we have a right to be in. But the word citizen literally means this, a person who legally belongs to a country and has the rights and protection of that country. So, again, you have a right as a U.S. citizen concerning certain protection. But here's the thing. If you haven't read your U.S. Constitution, how do you know what's your right? Oh, come on now. <clears throat> We're meddling here, but let me go a little further. Do you understand we have allowed lawyers to take care of all legal matters without us studying ourselves? We assume that they are uh, so well um, educated in law that we'll go to them and, and stake our whole lives and maybe fortunes on their ability to try our case. Now, I understand that you have to legally be able to practice law here, and again, it's a practice. Just like doctors, you have to practice medicine. Notice they're practicing. I don't care for people to practice on me. I want people to know about me. The good thing about the Lord is, is that the Lord knows me. Come on now. He is the creator of heaven and earth, so he's not practicing with me. He leads me down the paths of righteousness. Uh, he knows how to get me out of the valley of the shadow of death. He knows how to protect me. He is my strong tower. He doesn't practice with me. If I'll follow his word and his leading, I'll overcome and be victorious every time. Now, with that being said, it doesn't mean that I won't go through trials and tribulations and obstacles. Jesus said, in this life you'll have trials and tribulations. But then he says, be of good Cheer. In essence, be gay. Be happy. Be happy. Be excited because I have overcome the world. And if the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in you, my gosh, man, we've got the third person of the Godhead on the inside of us. We 
need to act like God Almighty's in us and follow his leading, and he will cause us to overcome. We are conquerors. We're not beat-down people. We are a race of individuals whose citizenship is in the kingdom of God, and we have a conquering king. Well, let's prove it then. We know that God always desired to be king. In fact, I won't be able to go through everything with you, but we'll hit a few passages of scriptures. Jimmy's not going to have this, so you're going to have to take notes. But in 1 Samuel chapter 8, we see that this is where the nation of Israel decided they didn't want God as king. It literally says in 1 Samuel chapter 8, I believe it's verse 17, that when they rejected him, they said, we want a man king over us. And Samuel goes to the Lord and says, Lord, this is what they're saying. He says, listen, give them what they want. They've not rejected you, but they've rejected me as king. King is not a religious word. It is the head of a government. Then when we get over into Isaiah, or we know this in Psalms chapter 24, it says the earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof. Amen. And in the Psalms have multiple scriptures concerning the king of kings. Who is this king of glory? Who is the, who's, uh, the Lord strong and mighty? Who is the king of glory? You understand, there is a king, it's God, and God is king. Then it says this in Isaiah. This is a powerful passage of scripture in Isaiah chapter 9, in verse 6 and 7. You'll need to write this down because some people had not even been in Isaiah and don't even know about this particular verse but it says this it says this a child will be born a son will be given i love that you know what that tells us that the word wrapped itself in the flesh a child's born but a son's not born a son's given why is the son given because jesus always existed john 1 1 in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was god the 14th verse of the same chapter says this and the word became flesh so that word that became flesh that word that got wrapped in a child is jesus So Jesus has always existed. He was known as the Word long before he was known as Jesus, given the name Jesus while he was on the earth. And it says a child will be born, a son will be given, and the government will rest on his shoulders. Did say religion. The government will rest on his shoulders, and he'll be called Wonderful, Counselor, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. Then verse 7 says, and there'll be no end to the increase of his government or peace. If you get into Daniel, Daniel starts talking about this idol and all these different government systems, and all of a sudden there's this rock that's made without hands. Now, who's that? Who's the rock? It's Jesus. It crushes the bottom of this idol, and it crushes all government systems, and it says this rock grows until it takes over the whole globe. I'm telling you right now, Jesus Christ is coming back. And when Jesus comes, he first came as a suffering servant. Why? Because he's the head of the kingdom. The greatest in the kingdom of God is the servant of all. Jesus said, I didn't come to be served but to serve. Why? So that I can be given the name that's above every name. And he's the king of and the Lord of. And so he's come to reestablish the dominion that Adam lost. We'll talk a little bit about that image here in a minute. And so when Jesus comes into play, he comes to establish the kingdom government. Now, when does it exist? It exists now in the spirit. It physically is a location. There's no doubt about that. We can't see it, but just because you can't see it don't mean it doesn't exist. I love what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 18. You've got to write all this down. This is like extras, all right? This is extras. It says this, while we look not at the things that are seen, but the things that are not seen. For the things that are seen are temporary. The things that are not seen are eternal. Hallelujah. So when Jesus comes, he starts preaching. And Matthew 4, 17 says, he preaches this, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You know, funny thing about repent is it's not a religious word at all. The word repent literally means change your thinking. Side with my party. 
turn, in essence, if you lived a life of sin, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, sin is simply disobeying God. Where did sin come in? It came in the garden. We'll talk about it here in a minute. Adam eats a fruit that the Lord said, don't eat. Well, why did he say? Because he gave him a choice to want to love and stay in this relationship. But he chose to eat the fruit. When he sinned, the Bible tells us in Romans 5 that through one man's transgression, sin entered the earth. What is sin? Just disobeying God and his word. Why? Because he's the king. And so now we have this nature of always doing it our way and not God's way. So when you repent, you change your thinking and get it back in alignment with obeying God and following his word and hearing the voice of God through the spirit again. You completely turn around because you understand living a life of sin is totally different than living a life for God. I said, living a life of sin is totally different. If it's not, that's the problem. Which gets this little catchphrase that's very religious in its origin, but it's not truth concerning the Bible law. Well, I'm just a sorry sinner saved by grace. No, you were a sinner. You're saved by grace through faith. Now you're a believer. You're a child of God. You've been washed with the blood. You're the righteousness of God in Christ. You're a different nature now. You're not the same species of being anymore. The problem is we haven't repented in our mind. We're not saving our soul through the reading and the renewing of our mind through the word of God. Hallelujah. Jesus comes, preach and repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That means it's within your midst. It's in your grasp. And he went through preaching all the time, over 130-something times in the, new, in, the, in the gospel's account. Well, the kingdom of heaven is like this, and the kingdom of God is like that, and the kingdom of heaven is like this, and the kingdom of God is like that. Wow. That's all he talked about. Then you get over into Acts, and after he died and raised from the dead, he's still talking to them concerning the kingdom in Acts chapter 1. Then when he deploys all of his uh, disciples, you'll hear, like Philip, he went down to Samaria, and he said he went and preached the kingdom and things concerning Jesus. You'll hear about Paul. He said, "How you know how I went about preaching the kingdom of God and things concerning Jesus. That's what they are. All the Pauline letters to the churches is the culture that kingdom citizens should live now. In essence, when he's talking to the Ephesus, the church at Ephesus and the church at Galatia and the church, you know, in Colossia, what he's talking about is this is how you, he said, you used to live, but now. I said, but now. Why? Because you're a citizen in a different kingdom. You know what I find very awesome is that when you read the back of the book, you know, most of the time all we know about that is, when I, you know, I read the back of the book and we win. Well, what's it mean we win? It's more than we win because here's the thing, Jesus has already won. What are we winning? What happens at the very back of the book? There's, there's four chapters that we call the perfect chapters. Genesis 1 and 2, and, Gen, and then Revelation 21 and 22. Because he sets everything back in order. And the Bible says in the end, after the millennial reign, after the devil and the false prophet and the beast are cast into the lake of fire, which is second death, after they do the great white throne judgment and they cast everyone who decided, I don't want to be with God, and he says, well, that's what you wanted, that's what you'll get. And they're all cast into the lake of fire, which is second death. Then the Bible says this, there'll be a new heaven. And why are we getting another planet? Oh, this is interesting. It's interesting because a lot of us are down here singing, when we all get to heaven. You know what the Lord's singing? When, I, when my people believe me and I can come down on earth and influence the world. What was Jesus' prayer? Our Father who lives in heaven, hallowed be your name or holy is your name. Your kingdom 
your kingdom what? Your will be on, on, on. Man, he wants to impact this place. And guess who he decided to pick to impact it through? His kids. Woo, hallelujah. My daddy is the king of the world. My daddy owns the planet. My daddy created the stars. My daddy owns it all. I am royalty. Peter said in 2 Peter, he says, you are a chosen race, a royal. Okay, let me ask this question real quick. How many of you are U.S. citizens in here? Is there anybody that's not a U.S. citizen? Okay. Funny thing about this is that we don't look the same. We don't look the same, yet we're of the same citizenship in the natural. You know what? Same's true when you get born again. There's a new nature in us. Hallelujah. Well, with that being said, let's turn over to Proverbs chapter 16. Why is this important, Pastor? I'm going to tell you why it's important. Because we're in a kingdom. And this Bible's about a king, his kingdom, and his royal offspring. Hallelujah. You see, the Bible tells us, see, Adam did not lose a religion in the garden. He lost dominion, access to the kingdom of God. The Bible tells us in Colossians, it says this in the, verse, in the first chapter, it says that when we get forgiveness, we are transferred from the domain. Domain means power, influence, authority over. The domain of darkness into the kingdom of his beloved son. Well, when do you get into that kingdom? We get in it now. Most of the time when we hear kingdom, most people think, well, that's heaven. No, the kingdom's operating right now. And the kingdom has influence right now. It doesn't have to be personally present. The spirit of the kingdom's here. That's why the Lord said this. They went up to Jesus and said, Jesus, you know, uh, when are we going to see the kingdom? He said, now listen, the kingdom of God is not like here or there. It's not like you're going to see us build a little wall, and you're going to see a little castle out there, and then we're going to have this little land. We own the planet. What this is is the kingdom's in your midst, which means it's within you. I was in the military myself for about nine years in the Florida National Guard. And I remember when Desert Storm in the 90s came out, and my unit wasn't called to have to go to Iraq, but we were activated because um, there were some things needed to do stateside based upon other units that got deployed. And I'll never forget that day when um, we, we were given a call and says, you need to meet up at the, um, at the armory. Funny thing about that is I volunteered to actually be in it. They didn't put a gun to my head and didn't make me. I chose and raised my right hand and said I would raise my right hand and said, didn't want you to think I was off, uh, raised my right hand and said that I you know, swore to uphold the Constitution of the United States of America and to follow the orders of the Commander-in-Chief who is the President of the United States of America, voluntarily. Which means the minute I did that and I signed the papers and I got all the legal documentation, that means if I chose to go against that, then I'd be in jeopardy of what they call the, uh, what is that, the age, uh, Army Code of Military, yeah, Uniform Code of Military Justice, that whole thing. I'll give you the acronym, but I forgot it. You got it? You know it off the top of your head? Yes, UCMJ. And so that means if I didn't show up, they give this other acronym called AWOL. That means leave without absence or absent without leave, Okay. And that means they can throw me in jail. Not only can they throw me in jail, but they can take my pay. Come on, man. But I volunteered for that. Well, I, I decided to show up, which I did. Thank God. And I'll never forget. 
we're standing in formation. You understand? There's order. We're standing in formation. We're at what they call parade rest. You ain't got your hands behind you and your, your arms about shoulders width like this. And all of a sudden, the commander comes out. And you hear this from one of the sergeants. Attention to orders. And everybody pops in, man. Drop your hands down by your side. You got this little bit of a V here with your heels touching. You're looking straight forward. You don't even look to your right or to your left. You keep your face going forward. Keep your knees a little bent so you can pass out. I've seen it. It's horrific. Anyway, so we're standing there. And there's this piece of paper. And our guy's reading words off paper. Words off paper. Yet those words off that paper are signed by the commander-in-chief. Signed by the governor of the state. I didn't see the governor there, nor did the president, president show up and say, hey, you going, you, you're activated. You know what? I just had his word. And his word had the authority while he's sitting up in Washington in a place I couldn't see, in my place, in a whole other territory, a totally different state. He had the authority to command me to be deployed to Camp Blanding. And it had power. If I would have resisted that, here comes the police. Here comes the police. He doesn't have to show up and say, hey, I'm the guy who wrote it. I, I didn't see him sign that. I didn't. No, no, no. He had the authority. It had the seal. Come on. I said it had the seal on it. Well, we got a seal in us called the Holy Ghost. Woo, hallelujah. And so with that being said, you understand, this kingdom's in operation right now. Now, it's going to come a day. It's going to physically manifest. And when Jesus comes back, he won't be the suffering servant. He'll be the king on high. It's totally different rulership when he shows back up. Totally different deal when he hits the planet again. Now, before that takes place, he's going to call us to himself. And then he's going to talk to us about what we did for him as his kids while we were down here. Uh-oh. What are we doing for him? So let's look at how God operates in the planet then. It says this in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 2. The Message Bible reads it this way. It says, humans are satisfied with whatever looks good god probes for what is good Ooh, that's different i said that's different amen in first samuel chapter 16 starting in verse 7 it says this but the lord said to samuel do not look at his appearance or at the height of his stature because i have rejected him for god sees not as man sees for man looks at the outward appearance but the lord looks at the heart. Do you understand God is examining us? Everybody. All of humanity. All of humanity. Now, I don't have this particular scripture for you to read, but it popped up while I was, you know, worshiping the Lord. So I'm going to give it to you, and then you can write it down and read it for yourself. Uh, but in Hebrews chapter 4, starting in verse 12, we know this scripture. It says this, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, and piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit, of both joints and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Then verse 13, that we normally don't go to, but look what it says. It says, And there is no creature hidden from his sights, but all things are open and, and laid bare to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Do you understand that God knows what's going on inside you right now? He knows if you're carrying on a conversation within yourself and saying, man, I hope he finishes at 12. He knows if you're having that conversation. 
Amen. He knows if you're saying, man, I don't like this preaching because, you know, it's already challenging me that I need to live different and I ain't willing to live different, but I want to go to heaven. He knows if you're having that conversation. He knows if you're saying, man, I can't believe these people drew, drug me into this place, man. I didn't want to be here. I, you know, I just came with them because they wanted me to, you know, and I was with them last night. And, you know, here I am now. Golly. He knows what you're saying. He knows those that are saying, man, this is the best word I've heard in a long time. Man, I need to hear the word of God. This sounds much like Pastor Mark, man. I'm so excited that they brought Pastor Earl in, man, because Pastor Earl's preaching truth just like Pastor Mark. He knows if you're saying that. What I'm saying is he knows if you're thinking my wife looks good, quit. She's my wife. You see this? I got a big ring just so you'll know. All right. Stop it. I'm just saying he knows. What's going on? Where? On the inside. He knows when you're at work and you're smiling at him, but on the inside it says, if I had a knife, I'd cut your head off right now. Yes. You're an idiot. You're an idiot. You're an absolute idiot right now. I can't even believe you have that. I can't believe you're in charge. I can't even believe that. Yes. He knows what you're saying on the inside. Come on now. He knows what's going on. This is very important because, you understand, God is looking at the heart. In this particular passage of Scripture in 1 Samuel, we already see that he's already had to overlook Saul because Saul had something in his heart that was contrary and couldn't maintain the anointing of God, and he lost the anointing because of disobedience, and so he went looking after a man after his own heart. He's looking for somebody that in the appearance didn't look like. In fact, when Samuel walks into the house of, of, of Jesse and said, you know, I've come to anoint a king, bring your sons up as one of your boys. And when he saw the first boy, he reminded him of what Saul looked like. So he even said, surely this is the Lord's anointed. And the Lord stopped him from pouring the oil and says, nah, man, you see, see, you are looking at the outside. I don't look at the outside. I've already been all up inside that man's heart. He ain't right at all. He may look strong. He may look like a leader. He may look like he's bigger and he can handle stuff. But I'm telling you right now, we ain't making that mistake. And then he goes to the next one. Ain't him. Ain't him. And you're thinking, my gosh, man, get down to the last one in the house. And the Lord said, that's not him either. Jesse, you got any more boys? That's the only conclusion he could do. He said, well, yeah, there's one more, but I didn't even invite him. I mean, he's taking care of the sheep. And you know what Samuel knew then when it was his last one? That's him. We, and it says this, the Bible says, we won't even sit till he gets here. Talking about honor. Ain't even met him yet. We ain't even going to sit down. No relaxing. We're going we gonna to wait on the king to show up because the king's fixing to walk through that door. And when David walked through, he was young, he was a boy, he was handsome in appearance, a little ruddy. But, man, the Bible says when he saw him, he anointed that boy with oil. <sighs> See, because God is looking at the heart. Very significant. That's why when, when uh, King David did fail and slept with another man's wife and had him murdered, couldn't get away with it because God knows what's going on. Even though he had the authority, when Nathan the prophet came in and told him about himself, King David could have done this. Kill that man. We don't want nobody to know. We'll take any evidence. He, could have, he had the authority. He could have done it. Obviously, it would have grieved God, and it would have been, uh, been wrong. But he didn't. He knew. Man, you've seen my sin. There ain't no place. That's where a lot of his psalms are. He says, when I'm in Sheol, he goes, no matter where I'm at, you're there. See, no matter where you're at, he's there. I said, no matter where you're at, he's there. 
And there's going to come a day that you have no choice. You're going to stand before. I said you're going to stand before. And notice when we stand before, there's two things that's going to happen when we stand before the Lord. And they both have to do with the judge, which is not religious. It's the judicial system of the kingdom. For believers, us children, will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And he's going to judge us according to how we obeyed our dad in faith while we were on the earth. Then there's what they call the great white throne judgment. That's for those who rejected Jesus as Lord. They didn't want, want God at all, did not want to submit to his authority, and he'll give them exactly what they want, life without him. That's called the second death or separation, and it's torment. It's absolute torment because all kingdoms have a prison. And it would be life without parole forever. That's why Joshua said, I set before you life and death. Choose life. No one in this room escapes ever. Hitler has not escaped just because he's not on the planet. He will Unless he cried out to Jesus Christ himself, he will stand before Jesus Christ and be punishable for all of his crimes. Just because you're out of the planet don't mean that you are separated from the choices you made in the planet. See, a lot of times when people die, we say, well, they're free. Well, they may not be free. It could have gotten worse. Because if Jesus is not Lord, it gets worse. Come on, you with me? Proverbs 21, 2 says this. It says, every man's way is right in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the heart. He weighs the heart. Do you see this? First Chronicles chapter 28, verse 9. I'm hitting some of them chapters, you know, and books that most people don't see. Uh, you know, we just want to build a case. It says, as for you, my son Solomon, know the God uh, of your father and serve him with a whole heart and a willing mind for the Lord searches all hearts and understands every intent of the thoughts for or uh, if you seek him he will let you find him but if you forsake him he will reject you forever we see he searches the heart I said he searches the heart this is very significant because we're in a society where people are always looking at the outside first. Or they tend to measure things up based upon what they see before looking at a matter in their heart. Let's build a little bit more case before we uh, go into some comments. In Luke chapter 16, verse 18, again, I said, let everything be confirmed by two or three witnesses. In Luke chapter 16, uh, verse 15, it says this. And he said to them, uh, you are those who justify yourselves in the sight of men, but God knows your hearts. For that which is rightly esteemed among men is detestable in the sight of God. I love this statement. I've gotten around people and they say this to me. And man, I just love coming back with this thought process. People go, don't judge me. God knows my heart. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. Because he does. Most of the time when someone says don't judge me, they're usually doing something wrong. But I, I can take them to scripture real quick. And show them where it talks about judgment starts in the household of God first. And when again, it's judgment. It's not about you personally. It's about your fruit. I mean, because you let me know what's going on with your fruit. Hello. You let me know with your fruit. This ain't judging you. This is that you just gave me a piece of rotten fruit here. And we have to talk about it. 
honestly, it looked good on the outside when I bit it. I was like, oh, what happened? Don't judge me. There's a maggot in there. This is rotten. Your attitude stinks. You're not walking in the love of God. Don't tell me. I'm not telling you. The Word tells us. There's a nature that we've been born into, man, that's greater than the life we used to live. And I don't live substandard. Oh, I like what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. He said, man, you're acting like mere men. Oh, we're no longer mere men anymore. We are supernatural beings of a divine nature. Hallelujah. Of a divine nature. I thank God for my life in Christ. I'm thankful that he saw my heart and it was wretched and no good, but yet he provided a way for me to have a different life through the blood of Jesus Christ. And who am I now to trample on that blood with careless living and a lifestyle contrary to my citizenship as a, as a child of God in the kingdom? He's empowered me to live this thing. And man, I'm going to live it to my fullness. Hallelujah. Because I have the greater one on the inside. I said I have the greater one. So I'm not here to please men. I'm here to please God. With that being said, this is where sight started happening in Genesis chapter 3. See, this is where this whole world of sight started manifesting. And it started in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 1. It says, Now the serpent was more crafty than the beast of the field in which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Indeed, has God said you shall not eat from any tree of the garden? Now that's a lie right there. He don't even know. The thing about the devil is he can't even start lying until he finds out what truth is first. So this tells us this, all lies have its roots in truth. That's why deception can come in. It's because there's a, there's a hint of truth. It's like what they call a white lie. A white lie has truth in it, but yet it's not all the truth. You understand what I'm saying? Okay, so he's asking the lady the question. And then she goes into verse 2. The woman said to the serpent, from the fruit of the tree of the garden we may eat, but from the fruit of the tree... Uh, which is in the middle of the garden, God said, you shall not eat from it or touch it or you will die. Right? Then it goes on. He says this. The servant said to the woman, you will surely what? Not die. You're not going to die. Why? For God knows that in the day you eat that your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good, of, good and evil. And look at verse 6. When the woman what? When she what? When she saw. She made a decision based upon what she saw. Her seeing deceived her. She saw that the tree was good for fruit and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was desirable to make one wise. Well, it's not there to make one wise. It's to kill people. And it ain't that the fruit could kill you. It's the choice that killed them. The fruit was just that good. When she ate it, and she went, oh, 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 oh. She didn't do that. She didn't drop dead like that. It didn't happen, man. It wasn't like Sleeping Beauty. In my mind, I'm thinking, dude, that's that's an ugly person right there. I mean, they got warts all over them. Their teeth are all messed up. Look at their nails. I'm not taking an apple from that person. I love you. But we washing this or something, man, because some ain't right about you. Right? But no. And she, boom, gone. It didn't happen. She ate it, and something about her said, this is good. Good enough that she tells her husband, hey, I just ate it, it's great. And he ate it because he saw his wife eat. But yet he made the choice. He entertained the word. He knew exactly what he was doing. And we got to watch out because in the world there's a lot to see. In fact, 
you're being bombarded with sites now with the the advancement of technology and you know information on your things i wonder how many people have been on facebook while i've been preaching this whole time you know what I'm saying you're going through stuff you're looking at images you know little videos all kind of stuff and what are you seeing is it really what it is i mean you'd be amazed what you can do with video now i mean some of the computer animated imagery looks almost like it's real and it may not even be a real person anymore we know what they do to models uh, in, the, in the magazines, how they'll shrink their little bodies, stretch their little legs, take out all their little blemishes, and they look like, wow, and everybody's trying to be like that. I mean, we all on Pinterest. Oh, well, that's, I'm going to pin that. That's nice. Come on now. We all have this motive where we're looking at things. And you understand, then it creeps into the church. And they say, you know, well, you know what? You can't wear a suit in the church. You know, you can't identify with people. You know, we got to learn to dress down. If we want to be relevant to our culture now, you can't wear a dress. Dress clothes, man, that's old school. Really? Well, tell ESPN. Tell ESPN. I mean, because they're reaching everybody. I ain't talking about news. I'm talking about ESPN. You might give a little bit with politicians. You may give a little bit with news. I'm talking ESPN. They are on the sideline in their, in their suits looking good, talking about football. They're hanging out with guys sweating. We're talking about people that are, 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 I mean, we're talking about the fabric of culture that goes from beer guzzling to people that bet millions of dollars on games. It don't matter. And they're wearing suits. And you know what? I ain't seen one person leave a stadium and say, I can't believe them announcers. They don't identify with me. They're wearing suits all the time. All their stats that they learn are from the, I mean, dude, I'm a sports man, golly. Sports centers, I love it. Has nothing to do with it. I, like, I, I just get caught up in all the, you know, the statistics and the hitting and all that kind of stuff. You know, the game, the camaraderie, the, the, the come from behind stuff. Except when it's my team, I just want them to obliterate the next one. I don't care for close games when it's my team. I want to leave no doubt that you should have never showed up today. Period. Never. Ever. At the end of this service, you need to repent for being a Noel fan. Come down here and let's have a repentance session. Change your thinking and come over and get chomped on some. Sure, you have bragging rights now, but that's in the scene. It's temporary because another time's coming. My hope, <sighs> don't even let me get on the dogs. Don't even let me go there. Actually, we'll talk about dogs probably Monday. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. <laughs> My point is, is that, you know, we, we pick, we're always, you know, looking at stuff all the time. When we, God does it, he cuts through that junk. He starts dealing right off. He knows what's right and what's wrong. He knows what's good and what's bad. I found myself a long time ago. I'm going to go by another five minutes, and then we'll shut down. Listen, I can't promise that. I'm just saying it. You know, that's faith talking. Uh, my point is, is that uh, that's faith. That's a faith. I'm calling those things that be not as though they were. Um, my point is, is that we get so caught up in this natural stuff that God is looking at the heart. I quit a long time ago saying the people were good because the Bible tells us, you know, a good tree bears good fruit and a bad tree bears bad fruit. And a lot of times, you know, you say, oh, they're, they're just good people. They may not. They may be bad people with fake fruit. So there's a lot of nice bad people. Let's put it that way. They're nice, but they may not have good fruit. So I'm not quick to call someone good. I'll call them nice 
until I find their fruit, eat of it a little bit to determine whether they're good or not. Because there's a lot of nice, bad people. A lot of nice ones. There's a lot of nice murderers. A lot of nice ones. And they'll cry after they do it wrong. But they're Esau because they feel sorry. And they know it's wrong. But their nature is going to make them do it again. When I say make them, they choose to side with that nature and continue to go. And they need Jesus. We're not rehabilitating people outside the spirit. So with that being said, let's kind of push into some things. Listen, we are more than what we see, guys. We need to get on a right image. James Dobson said this, we are not who we think we are. We are not even who others think we are. We are what we think others think we are. Now, that's true with most people who do not have their mind renewed. Let me say that again. I know, I know. Let me say that again. We are not who we think we are. Because a lot of times, man, I, I look good today. Yeah, man, I'm looking all right. You know, we're not even uh, even who others think we are, which means you don't know what they're thinking. They've said something you don't know. But we are who we think others think we are because you come in thinking you look good and they go, you're thinking, mm, boy. All of a sudden, we went with confidence, man. Yeah, I look like James Bond today to, boy, did you see, did you see Pastor Mark staring me down when I walked in today? Boy, must have been a kid's problem. Man, they don't think I look good. Did I not dress well enough? I mean, I see he's in his little skinny jeans over there. I mean, hey, I'm a little bit more husky than he is. You think he's calling me fat? I mean, that's what I want to know. You think he's calling me fat? You see what I'm saying? We have a whole discourse with people in our jobs about what we think people are thinking about us. Just watch the news. It's about what they think people are thinking about. And it ain't even reality. We need to find out who we are. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 and 27. Let me get in with a couple of scriptures here. Maybe. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let them rule. There's that word, rule or have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the sky, over the cattle, over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. This word image means a representative figure, a copy. It means uh, likeness means to be like, resemble, to be or act like. When God first created humanity, he wanted them to look like him and act like him and behave like him and operate like him and have dominion like him. In essence, we were to rule in this environment as he rules up there, and he would speak to us through our spirit, man. And we would walk with him and have dominion, not over other individuals, but over the earth. We have dominion over our circumstances. We have dominion over the things of this world. We have dominion in order to allow our purpose to lead us and guide us into the plan and purposes of God. This is how God designed it. Adam falls from dominion, so he loses this. Ah, but Jesus came back. And when Jesus came, he died and rose from the grave, and he poured out his blood for the sins of all humanity, and all who would call on the name of the Lord would be born again, changed. According to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. This word in means a denoting a primary fixed position. It means you get fixed in Christ. Christ is not his last name. It's the anointing. It's the power of God. You get fixed in his power. The word new means this. It means to be a different nature from what is contrasted as old. It means unused, which means you become an entirely new species of being. God's not doing a remodel with you. He changed you entirely. The spirit in you becomes of the nature and being of God. 
Hallelujah. That's why you are a child of God and citizens in his kingdom. You understand, in God's kingdom, all he has is royal people. He's the king of kings, and I'm standing before royalty today. You can't get any higher. You're a king. You say, well, I'm a female. Shouldn't I be a queen? No, in humanity, we're all men. We're all male, in our man in that sense. It's the spirit of man. We're either in a male outfit or a female outfit, and he never gets that wrong. He never deposits the spirit of man in the wrong skin suit. But with that being said, we are kings of a king. We're royalty. He's the Lord of Lords, people who have authority in their lives that's been given to them by the name of Jesus. And so here's where we're going this morning is this, is that God had uh, took the time to be able to go beyond this scene realm and get to the heart of the matter, the root things that are, are, are what we need to look at, and he's able to identify all humanity on where they're at right now. The Bible tells us again in Romans that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Would you come, Pastor Marshall? He says that. But if we would make Jesus the Lord of our lives, if we would acknowledge by faith that over 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ died and rose. Jesus, the man who knew no sin, became our sin so that we might become the righteousness of of God in Christ. And that word righteous is not a religious word. It means right standing with the governing authority. You know who the governing authority is? It's him. And he so wants you in his kingdom that when you could not do it on your own and no one could smuggle you in, you couldn't buy your way in, nothing. But everything about your lifestyle was to be contrary to his kingdom. In fact, your daddy is the devil. He's the father of lies. He's been a liar from the beginning. But he can pluck you out of that, that household and get you into his kingdom. Your confession of faith that Jesus died and rose from the grave. And the Bible says you'll become new. Brand new. That means... You may have walked in this door today not having a relationship with Jesus. But you can leave this door being an entirely different species of being, though on the outside you look the same. On the outside you look the same. But it only comes by you, literally, with all your heart, in Christ. I'll say it this way. I can't beg you into this kingdom. And I'm not. It's worth you running. I live in the state of Florida and down on the south end called Key West. A little marker that says 90 miles from Cuba. There's been many Cubans that have made their own rafts Without us begging them, risk their lives to go across 90 miles of water, face currents, storms, sharks, to get to a new country 
have a better life, a better opportunity of eternity. And I don't stand on that shore and beg them to come. They come because they've heard us better. Right now, south of Texas, there's another nation. They've got tunnels. And there are people, parents who are paying people, they call them coyotes, to take their kids and loved ones get them all in these trucks and hide them and smuggle them in to our nation. Are we begging them to come? No. For a lot of them, there are those that obviously want to harm us, but the majority, they want to come into a place that has opportunity. I set before you right now life or death. There is a hell to shine and a kingdom to gain now. There is a lifestyle to live now that's greater because the greater one will live in you. And I'm not going to beg you to come. Because a lot of times when you beg and you want people to come, please, they'll come down and cry. But really, they just don't want to go to hell. They still want to live life like they want to. They don't want to actually go to hell. They just want to go to heaven but do it on their own terms still. And they'll pray a prayer, but their heart will be far from them. And you need to know that God knows your heart. So you've got to decide today, once and for all, if, it, if I'm talking to you this morning. Now you're done living for yourself. You're going to lay your life down for this king. You're laying your life down for him because he laid his life down. And you will meet him one day, whether you choose him or not on the earth. You will meet him. I pray you choose him now. Because he loves you. He wants to empower you. The quality of life as his child is greater than any life the world could offer. So if you're here today, I'm not going to ask you to bow your head. And I'm not going to ask you to close your eyes because the majority of people don't listen anyway. What I want to know is are you bold enough if you're here and you know that Jesus is not Lord? And let me tell you something, you know it. He knows. You can sit in a seat all day long and seem like you've got it together, but God knows whether you've ever done that. So I'm going to give you an opportunity today. If you're here and you know that you've never seriously, with all your heart, made an acknowledgement by faith that Jesus Christ came over 2,000 years ago, He died for the sins of humanity, His blood was poured out, but on the third day the Holy Spirit raised Him up, and you desire to confess Him as your Lord and let Him have supreme authority of your life where you willfully follow His voice. If you've never done that, then today is the day you can get into His kingdom. Today you can leave a different person. Today you can know that you know that you're a child of God. If you desire to do that, I'm going to ask you to stand up and come down here right now and we're going to pray for you. Just get up and move. It requires your faith. I can't make you. And I'm telling you, you want to run to this. I'm not going to beg you and I'm not going to sit here and hold an altar call. I'm going to give you an opportunity and we're going to go. Yeah, you can confess Christ anywhere. You don't have to be in this building, but why would you? If you want to deny him now, it hardens your heart. makes it tougher the next time. If you need him, get up and come right now. You need to know that you're a child of God. If you don't, I'm talking about you've never done this before. You've 
never done this. If you want to know you're right with Jesus today, if you want to get into his kingdom, then get up and come. Be unashamed. Be bold because he's unashamed of you. The greatest thing you can do. See, in these kind of environments, when people move, they typically mean it. Because if i got to turn the lights off and get everybody to close their eyes and get you to raise your hand up and bring it back down because you don't want to be embarrassed, listen, my Jesus died naked for you, beaten so bad they couldn't tell he was a man. He loves you with all of his heart. He wants to come in and give you your life. And I'm unashamed to say that. And I, I want to know who my brother is, and I want my brothers and sisters to know who's coming into the kingdom so we can all get excited and rejoice because you were lost and you've been found. And all of heaven wants to rejoice with you. So it ain't going to go under the grid anyway if you really meant it. So let's go ahead and do it. i give ten more seconds. Ten more seconds. Ten more seconds. Ten more seconds. I'm going to Two. One. Father, we thank you so much for the word of God today. We thank you that your word is alive and active. I thank you, Lord, you're setting us up for things to be spoken of tonight. Father, you want to kind of continue to strengthen us in who we are in Christ now, what our citizenship is, what's this kingdom we've been born into, what's it about? Because it sure isn't about hanging out here and waiting until you come or die so we can get to you. It's about you coming down, making your abode with us, and us doing something significant right now. Father, we want to discover more about our kingdom purpose and this lifestyle that we live as a believer now in Christ Jesus. Lord, I thank you you're going to teach us tonight and tomorrow night. You're going to continue to equip us, equip us because Valdosta needs his kids. Uh, Valdosta needs the kids of the king to get around and show them what a kingdom lifestyle looks like because it draws them to you. So, Father, I thank you that I stand before the greatest people on the planet as children of God, bought with the blood and alive by the Spirit. I honor you and praise you for it. In the name of Jesus and all God's people said, Amen.